Welcome to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, hanging out with you. We've been uh, a little MIA this summer, but there's been a lot going on. But here we are. We've got some new things to talk about. TJ, what'd you do this weekend? We had, I hung out with Scott. Completely forgot. Hung out with Scott and Craig. We went to um, Craig's uh, little guy, Charles's one-year-old birthday party. Um Elena had a fantastic time swimming in the pool, playing in the bouncy house, um, eat a bunch of really good food, and uh, we had a really good time there. Then we went out to dinner with my parents um, on right after that on Saturday night in Lakeland at this barbecue place. And then yesterday we just kind of hung out, we chilled, we didn't do a whole lot. Um, you know, went to church, hung out with the kids for a little bit. Low key evening, they stay with their the in laws on. Sunday night, so Sunday evenings are always pretty low-key for us. Um, how about you guys? What did you guys do? So Eric was out of town. First of all, I want to brag on myself about what an amazing wife I am. Okay. My husband. Uh, I would like to brag on your humility, but go ahead. Yes, uh, as well. We'll brag on that next. Uh, first and foremost, my brother-in-law offers us Stanley Cup tickets. This is like a couple days before game five, and they were pretty expensive. So Eric's like, oh, I don't want to spend that much on two on two Stanley Cup tickets. Like, tell him we'll pass, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and me, of course, I'm like, spend the money. I want to go. But, it, you know, it was a few thousand dollars, and he was like, you know, we're not going to spend that kind of money on Stanley Cup tickets. So then circle back around uh wednesday the day of game five my brother-in-law texts and like hey i actually ended up with one extra game five ticket that's super cheap what, what i mean that's all relative but i ended up with one game five ticket are you sure you guys don't some one of you doesn't want to go so then of course eric's like oh dude i want to go and i'm like are you, are you, is this a joke? Like, you know, whatever. And so then I'm like, well, you're not going without me. And then I felt guilty. So I was like, fine, take the ticket. So we bought, we, uh, sure we can buy it when it's one ticket. And, uh, so Eric goes to game five, of the Stanley cup, watches the lightning win it. I'm like, man, is that a bucket list item for you? It's totally a bucket list item for me. And he's like, eh, I mean, it's not really a bucket list item for me. Meanwhile, me watching the lightning win a Stanley cup is for sure on my bucket list. And I'm at home with the children while he's out till two o'clock in the morning celebrating uh, the lightning winning the Stanley cup. So anyway, so I'm a great wife for letting that happen. Then four days later, whatever, a week later, he leaves on a guy's trip with a bunch of guys that we went to college with that he played football with um, to South Carolina, Hilton Head. So he was gone from Thursday at 5 a.m. until last night at like seven o'clock at night. So I had the kids for all four days. And I think my husband owes me something. I don't know what, but between the Stanley cup and a guy's trip all within the same seven day time window, I'm pretty much the best wife ever. What would you ask for? Like, what, what, did, what like, I don't even you... know. I, that's what he said. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, the ability to say when I do, do discover whatever it is that I want, like, yeah, well, this is what I'm getting for you going to the Stanley cup and your uh, golf thing. So I'm just, basically it's a card for my back pocket. Cause yeah, I, I, I don't even remember what it was, but I kind of did that last week. I did something really nice for Kara and she said, um, Thank you. So, she said, thank you so much for doing that. You really didn't have to do that. Like it was something like more than just like, oh, I took out the trash or I did a lot. You know, I can't remember what it was now, but she's like, thank you so much for like thinking of me and doing that. And I said, you're welcome. I didn't have anything to hold over your head for the last couple of weeks. So I needed like a, a get out of jail free card or like a brownie point card or whatever. She yeah. Just, of course, completely rolled her eyes. But um, so, yeah, now you have one of those too. Like he's done yeah. something. Now you can kind of return the favor. So uh, just take like the whole rest of the week off and just say, yeah. like, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to do this and see what he says. Well, <laughs> he would probably die. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really. I don't really know what I want. There's nothing specific that I want to do, but I just, you know, when the time comes, I'll know and I'll make sure I play that card. Um, Speaking of the lightning, speaking of the Stanley Cup, him getting to see that. I mean, obviously everybody watched that. I mean, maybe not everybody that we is listening, but everybody did watch that, that, that we know and like, um, back to back Stanley cup champs. We don't talk a lot of hockey on here, but it, it, it it's almost, it's almost impressive. Like how, un, how uninteresting their series were. Now the games themselves were pretty interesting, but over the last two years, they went eight. and zero, and obviously the, the eight playoff series that they 
played in. They also never trailed in a series outside of game one. So there were a couple of games, game ones that they lost. Like they lost game one to Dallas. They lost game one to New York one time. They lost game one to Florida. But then they never were down like 2-1 or 3-2 or 3-1 or anything like that. So they never faced elimination, you know, outside of the couple of game sevens that they played in. So um, just in crazy impressive that there was never even that much drama. Now they, they played in a couple of game sevens. Um, actually, maybe just, yeah, both against the island. But it, it was incredibly impressive, but uh, almost like not boring is not the right word, but just like expected dominance. Like ne- it was never like, oh man, we may lose. Like even, you know, you, you get to the finals twice and even your Stanley Cup finals are just kind of like the Lightning are going to win this. It's just a matter of kind of win. So fun to watch Tampa continue to just rack up championships. Um, it's so cool. You know, they're, uh, they're going to have to do a lot of restructuring of the cap next year, and there's going to be a lot of things going on there. Who knows, you know, what will happen. But, you know, unless one of these guys gets traded away or unless something kind of crazy happens here, I think that uh, I think that a core of Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, uh, Hedman, Sorelli, and Vasilevsky are like six of the top 25 players in the league and, and some of those guys are are top five Vassie's certainly the best goaltender in the league Kucherov's probably the best offensive player in the league Hedman's up there as, as one of the best defenders so all of those things kind of considered it I don't know that it'll be as easy next year but they're going to be one of the best teams again next year and, and when you do have the best goalie in the league if if he gets hot which which Vassie certainly was this playoffs it's um you know it's easy to win a lot of games. And so I'm not predicting the three Pete, but uh, how freaking cool would that be though? I mean, and I just, I don't know. This has been such a cool window of time for Tampa sports. It does kind of stink that, you know, it's been colored by COVID. Although, you know, the finals, the, it was really neat to watch the arena be packed. It was really cool to see people outside celebrating. Now who knows what that does for our city's COVID numbers. Uh, We'll have to check on that in a couple of weeks, but I mean, what Probably a cool experience all the way around. And, and, you know, and born out of a necessity was the boat parade, which I think is here to stay regardless of what's going on with COVID because it's just a unique way to celebrate. Um, and I don't know. I feel like Tampa just kind of does sports differently. Watching all of these uh, interviews with guys where they're so candid and uh, hilarious and they're all alcohol fused. and it, I, We just kind of do it differently down here, I think. I think we have, I don't know. It, it's just the vibe of the whole city, right? Like it's, it's not uptight. Like I, I remember watching the LA championship parades and kind of mm-hmm. similar there, right? Like when you live in Southern California, it's just, that's just the vibe, but it's very much the same here, right? Like it's just relaxed and it's chill and, you know, and, there's not and, a lot of, there's not a lot of like, I don't know, not that not any other championship parades or anything like that are like, you know, stressful or tense or anything like that. No, but it's, but it's not different. pretentious. It's it's right. incredibly laid back. The 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 players aren't held to the standard where they need to be like, you know, pageant girls. Like the Disney they're, princesses. They're clutching waving. their pearls right. and, yeah. and, you know, waving, uh, you know, wrist to elbow or whatever. It uh, The city embraces the players cutting loose. The players embrace the city cutting loose. It's just, uh, it's a little bit different. I mean, you look at the footage of Tom Brady celebrating the Patriots Super Bowl versus celebrating here. I feel like it's kind of the same thing watching some of these other uh, recent winners of the Stanley Cup celebrate and then watch how they're doing it down here. And, uh, you know, anybody that says Tampa's not a hockey town hasn't been paying attention. It just, uh, I don't know. And even just the banter back and forth between the Lightning and the Bucks. Okay, Tag, you're it. It's your turn now. Or now it's yours again. And, you know, is it's just fun. It's been so fun. And I think that maybe, I don't know, maybe it's that we all needed um, a little mental break with the things that have gone on at the end of 19 and through all of 2020. And so maybe that makes it even more fun and, and us and enjoyable, but it's pretty darn cool. No, it's, it's really, really fun to watch those guys celebrate. They've gone through having to go through so much. Um, like you said, with, with COVID last year, being away from their families and away from their friends and everything like that in the bubble. And then this year being super weird where, um, they totally realigned the the divisions uh, to where you 
the travel was weird and you're playing a lot of back-to-backs against the same teams and you played the same teams over and over and over again all year. And then you get to the playoffs and, and, you know, stuff kind of gets weird when you have to go into Canada for the, uh, for the cup and, and, uh, you know, obviously it would have been cool to sweep, but it was really, really awesome to, uh, to win it at home and then just kind of let loose and get out there on those parades. It, did you see the Stanley cup tweet at, uh, Stamkos like, Hey, I'm, we're a little, or tweet at Brady, you know, like, Hey, we're a little too heavy to throw. And then Stamkos responded back and said like challenge accepted. And so I yeah. mean, they just, I think just the whole vibe of the city and, you know, again, not that this is the only city this happens in, but it's just so relaxed and so chill that it's just like, Hey man, we're just gonna have a good time. And most people have a good time during their championship parades. Like they're, you know, they're not, uh, they're not what I would call boring or, you know, whatever, but we take it to a different, we take the party to a different level than I think I've seen. Hopefully that inspires other people to be not so uptight. Right. Like I, you know, right. I, I mean, you should enjoy a championship parade. Um, it should be fun, but uh, we've definitely started something here that we'll kind of see what other, if, if another team from another city can, can win a title anytime in the next couple of years, we'll see if, if they're, um, you know, parades or celebrations are, are fun, but you know, it just obviously seems like we're just going to win everything forever. So um, maybe in like five or 10 years, we'll find out what other people do. Uh, when they win. <laughs> um, speaking of winning football season is right around the corner, 47 days away for you guys, 48 days until Florida state plays. We play on that Sunday of labor day. Um, it's getting close. We've been doing oh, these, we've so been, close. been doing these articles on, um, on the website where it's every, we, we do it like every 10 days. Like I can't commit to writing a, an entire article every single day, but we do it every 10 days um, to kind of count down the season. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I think that makes the, makes it go a lot faster. So sure. Mostly because, you know, I'm like, Oh crap, I've waited another nine days. Now I have to do this again. I, every day, like at 50 days, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll on 49 days, I'll write the 41. So it's already ready to go. And that never happens. Right. It's like day 40 and I'm like scrambling to get it out. But anyway, just over, um, just under seven weeks ago, just over six, um, getting pretty close. Uh, media days are going on. Media days are going on in, is it Hoover, Alabama? And then, uh, for the SEC and then for the ACC later this week will be in Charlotte. Um, I saw Greg Sankey uh, at the at the podium this morning talking about all things SEC. A lot of questions around like vaccination and and levels and things like that. One of the interesting things that came out: games will not be made up due to COVID. If you if you if you fall below a certain threshold and can't play, you're gonna have to treat that as a forfeit. I think that's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. um, but we have less room for error this year. There's a lot more, a lot more games, a lot less buys kind of built in, um, can't extend things out. So it is kind of figure out a way to have enough players to play. Um, which I would assume teams will, right? Like LSU had traveled with like, what, like 60 guys when they came to Florida and they still found a way to play. So I, I think that'll work out fine. I can't imagine there will be too many cancellations. I think that if we see a big spike or anything, you know, they talk about the new variants and, and teams are already well out of things. You could see some stuff, but I don't foresee this being an issue. We, we, well, I, I mean, honestly, I think most of these teams will be vaccinated, right? Um, a lot of the conferences the part, have most- offered incentives for that to be the case. Like if you're vaccinated, you don't have to be tested on game day. Or if you're vaccinated, if you're exposed, you don't have to sit out. Um, So I think while teams won't require it, it obviously can't require it. I think that they, the conferences have made enough incentives that I would be, I'm not saying all teams will be 100% vaccinated. They won't be, but I would assume that the numbers will probably be relatively close that even if everybody that didn't get vaccinated gets COVID all at once, that it would be kind of difficult to dip below the the number and i mean at least it depends on the conference but for for the sec at the very least even if you dip below the number if you have this the right number of quarterbacks and linemen it's still your choice whether or not you play these games right so i don't know i don't foresee that being a massive issue i think what it is is you have to have a certain number of of offensive defensive linemen and quarterbacks and as long as you've had met that threshold then it's kind of um your team's choice if you dip below whatever the number is, it's 51, 53, whatever it is. And so I, I find it hard to believe that when these guys are carrying, when these rosters are carrying, you know, 85 scholarship guys, and then, you know, up to a hundred, 110, when you t- consider walk-ons and stuff that they would even be near that 51 mark of players available 
You'd have to really go down. And you'd, you'd have, have to, to have really go down. Massive outbreaks. I don't believe Florida has hit that 85% threshold yet. Mullen wouldn't comment on what the number they were at. Yeah. just said that they were close. Some teams have, yeah. some teams haven't. I think yeah. that when you hit the 85%, your testing thresholds change, like how often you have to test, game day test, things like that. So it is important for teams to, to hit that, right? Because – you know, as we saw with the NC State baseball team, had some guys that had even been vaccinated that that tested positive, and because of different tests, you know, because of different thresholds and stuff like that. Obviously, things are evolving sure. as we move into different sports. I mean, their whole season had to be forfeited. I mean, that was obviously a playoff, right? So even if you had yeah. to forfeit one game, it'd, it'd be different than than that. But um, I do think that teams are getting closer and closer to that. Yeah. Um, we talked about this a little bit offline. Mullen was asked about Georgia being the favorite this year. Um, I don't know if he just misspoke or was trying to play the, you know, nobody believes in us card, rile up the guys. But he said, wasn't that the same case last year, which it actually wasn't. Florida was a slight favorite in both Vegas and SEC preseason voting. Um, I don't think he just, you know, intentionally lied there. Maybe just yeah. misremembered. Maybe I mean, trying to rile up the troops or yeah. play, play the underdog card. Like, hey, we've been here before, which Florida has been there before, but um, not since you know, not since Mullen has been there have they been picked second and then won. Right? Like they were picked first, right? And, right. And right. Well, and, and they were picked second the previous years, but then they got second. So right. So um, I, um, you know, I looked at what the picks were last year as soon as you mentioned this to me offline and it was uh, i mean it was within a couple of votes uh florida over georgia and we're talking about you know out of whatever 250 votes go to florida 243 go to georgia or whatever i mean it relatively close um so he he probably doesn't remember that a slight edge was to florida but he's also probably trying to play the underdog card as well. Coaches love to do that. It, it seems to be a relatively effective thing in locker rooms too. Um, so I, I would say it's probably a combination of the misspeaking and wanting to use it to their advantage as well. I mean, he's not going to come out and be like, yeah, they voted us first because we're awesome. We're the best. And we're, you know, I don't know. I don't think it was anything malicious, but I'm sure he's trying to motivate at the same time. What do you think about um, you guys finally get the, monkey off of his back and beat UGA last year. Mm -hmm. And then they pick UGA to win the East. Um, not again by like overwhelming, overwhelming, but a little bit wider margin than, uh, than it was last year for Florida. What are your thoughts on Georgia being the, the team to beat this year in the East? Um, a lot of so people are really I, high on Georgia just in general. Like a lot of people are saying I, I Georgia think to be that a lot of people, like, I think, I, honestly, I feel like the last, probably four or five years, there's been a lot of hype about Georgia that hasn't end up, ended up fully coming to fruition. I am not worried about Georgia from a head-to-head -head perspective. I do think that Florida will beat Georgia this year. I I worry more about the the where Florida were to sit in the East because they play Alabama week one, right? So I think it's going to be – Florida's going to come out of the gate more than likely – behind because they opened the sec with Alabama. I think that'll be a very difficult game to, to win. So even if Florida beats Georgia, they still have to be perfect the rest of the time because I foresee this early loss. Um, they'll have the head to head against Georgia, but if Georgia wins out, I, you know, Florida will have that loss to Alabama uh, in there and it's going it, to, so I, I don't necessarily have a problem with Georgia being favored to win the East because I think they have the easier path to have that happen, which right. I think is probably what it's based on. Which which is the flip-flop from last year. Florida Correct. had the easier right. path. Right. They didn't have to see um, Georgia. I'm sorry, they didn't have to see Alabama like Georgia They didn't Georgia have to see did. Alabama. Right. And so, yeah, Georgia minus something catastrophic is not losing another sec game outside of Florida. In fact, Georgia has a great, great path to go 10 and two at worst. Um, and I think Clemson. that that's probably what this is based on, right? I don't think that there's a marked difference between Florida or Georgia at the very least on paper at the moment. I think both have so many question marks that it's really difficult for us to um, really predict either one of these teams that well, but I think if you're going to use something, you use the schedule, which is a big difference. Yeah. I mean, I think that 
I think there is a slight difference between I think Florida has more question marks coming back than Florida than Georgia does. Um, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a massive gap. I just think Florida. Well, we'll know September fourth what yeah. uh, Georgia's working with, right? I mean, I think uh, opening that season against Clemson will be interesting. Yeah, it's interesting they get to open the the first non-Trevor game. Actually, yeah. the first non-Trevor non. Uh, well, minus the one where Trevor sat out with COVID, but the first really non-Trevor, non-Deshaun Watson game, right. Right? like that, like right. two back-to-back. Not that Clemson Badass doesn't reload. Sure, of course they do, but yeah, it's still an unknown talent, right now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Massive, massive picks. Um, so a lot of people. I mean, Georgia's kind of like the trendy upset pick there. I mean, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, Georgia plays absolutely nobody except for the cocktail for party, right? Which right. could be. I mean, you you think. They win. I mean, that it's gonna. It could be a coin flip either way, right? But like, they're going to be UBA, UAB. They're going to beat South Carolina. They're going to beat Vandy, right. Arkansas. I mean, the the East is absolutely terrible outside of those top two teams. And then their teams from the other side are a new coach in Auburn, and they play Arkansas. So they're not they're not losing another well, game. Well, there's lots of new coaches everywhere, even in the East too. Though you're looking at a new coach at Tennessee, a new coach at South Carolina. So even if in two years the East looks totally different, this year. It, it, it if it's not Florida or Georgia, something catastrophic happened. Right, because yeah, and by the same token, on the other side, you know, there are probably three good teams in the West, right? So it's not too much different. You know, there are well, two. No. There are two Alabama, really good- Alabama, Texas A&M is going to be great. I do not expect LSU to have the same kind of season that they had last year. I expect LSU, uh, you know, to to be back. I don't. I think yeah. Auburn is. Always decent. The West is much better than the East. And I would say the West is probably the single best conference or division in any conference in college football. So I, I would say on that note, it's very different. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Auburn is very good, is going to be very good this year. And so that's why I think there are three good West teams and two good East teams. But there's name a better division, single division in any conference in, co- in college football. No, I mean, there's I not. think. I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm just saying I don't think that the West outside of those three teams is is all that good. I think Auburn's going to be very mediocre this year. But but three teams out of yeah, you know. no, I'm not saying that that I'm not saying there's another conference that can compete with them. I'm just saying yeah. that I think it's it's three teams and then everybody else, yeah. and on the East it's two teams and then everybody else. Yeah, you know. I don't know. For some reason, the West just feels a lot harder to me than the East does. I feel like probably because Al- probably because Alabama's over well, there, right? Yeah, I think but Georgia, I, mean, I think, I think their mediocre teams are better than the East's mediocre teams. I think that maybe. Auburn is better than any number three team in the East, but they're at minimum number four in the West. Yeah, and then the number um, one, the number one team in the West is better, better than, than the than, than any. Team. Yeah, and the number yeah. two team. I mean. I think Alabama is head and shoulders above everybody else in college football. And then, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. If you took Alabama out, I mean, I think A&M is kind of on par. I think, I think the way that I would rank it right now is, you know, Alabama one, Georgia two, A&M and Florida, like, you know, three A and three B, however you want to rank them. LSU, like right there with those teams, maybe a three A, B and C. Yeah. And then you've got to drop off to Auburn. Yeah. And then I honestly don't go know that there. I think there's even a difference between Georgia and those three. I know you do, but I almost feel like it's one and then it's like <laughs> a huge, massive wide gap. And then it's Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, uh, you know, all right in, in that area. But uh, you're right. I mean, the conference is uh, Alabama is just ahead above pretty much anybody in anywhere in college football, but it's going to be interesting, and the season is close, and we have college football to talk about, and SEC media days are going on, and this is exciting, TJ. We are getting back to the bread and butter that we are used to. I love having things to argue about with you that's relevant college football stuff. Yeah. Um, no, it definitely is exciting. I'm not the only one that's high on Georgia. I know a lot of people are high on Georgia every year. Alabama is a minus 125 to win the SEC. Georgia's a plus 250. Mm-hmm. The next two teams are Texas A&M at plus 900 and Florida at plus 1200. So there is, there is a marked difference yeah. in the way that Georgia is Vegas, viewed yeah. and, and A&M and Florida are viewed. Um, yeah. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with Florida just had one of the most prolific offensive seasons that you've ever seen, um, broke all kind of records in a 10-game season against SEC, all this stuff. 
and then lost their their best three players. And we just haven't seen Emery for enough time to know that he can continue that. Also, without Pitts, without Tony. Not that there's not more weapons there, but there's not a Pitts there. I mean, nobody in college football has a Pitts, right? And then another first-round guy in Tony. And then the defense was so awful last year. Um, and the, the coordinator is back that I don't know – I don't know what you're what you're without seeing anything yet. I don't know what you're basing the defense showing improvement on other than just like a hope and a prayer. Like God, please yeah. don't let these guys be as bad as they were last year. And right. and I and I don't think that you know you could really predict that Florida's offense is going to be better this year. Um I mean, no, it could I don't be, think there's gonna be like, a huge so if if the if the offense takes a, s- a small step back and the defense Which, maybe does take a small step forward, then I think you're looking at, you know, yeah. an above, a, you know, a very similar team to last year. Going to beat most of the teams they're supposed to. Going to lose a game or two they shouldn't. Some, I mean, that's just kind of how college football works, right? And I think with Georgia, you look at well, the only really you know, really really tough game on their schedule or tough games are Florida and Clemson. And if they split that and go eleven and one. Then it's going to be them and them and Georgia again in the. I'm sorry, them and Alabama again in Atlanta. Well, it doesn't even matter what happens in the first one anyway. But that doesn't affect Atlanta um, at well, all. I just mean matter. for their for their chance to go. Yeah, yeah, for, for the players for to go to the playoffs. To go but that, that that makes zero. You know, if they they could completely poop the bed against Clemson and still end up in the SEC championship. They could still end up in the playoffs. Like I honestly think it's great for them that they get to test the waters with Clemson week one. They might cut them off guard, right? Because it's uh, prior to them having any real experience with their new quarterback. So they could get a very different Clemson team than we'll see at the very end of the season, which could be helpful. But let's say Clemson beats them. It almost doesn't even matter because we'll say the same thing about Georgia, right? Like, oh, they're a completely different team at the end of the season than they were week one and look what they did to Florida. So they get in the playoffs anyway. So if they're in a great position to get to test what they have against a really, really good team, because nobody's going to really hold it against them if they lose. Um, yeah. Cause if they, if they, if they lose to Clemson and then lose to Florida, but still make the SEC championship. I mean, if you beat Bama, they're in, you know, as right. a, as a two-loss right. SEC champion, obviously if they beat Florida, then they're, um, going up against Bama, they're probably out with a loss, but I mean, that's kind of where it gets hairy. If they're that it fourth just depends pick, on where everybody to, else yeah, um, happens, but, but yeah, the, the first game means absolutely nothing. And if they the win that, if, spot, then if it's huge. Beat, if they beat Clemson, they're probably not losing another game until, you know, then we get to Atlanta, right? Like right. it would be mean, hard pressed for me to great, see them. Great it, place for them to have a really hard team. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be tough for me to see them beat Clemson on the road and then think they're going to lose to another team on their right. schedule. Yeah. You know? Now Florida beating Alabama may change my mind on that. that. That could be like the one caveat to that where I'm like, well, if they could beat Alabama, they could certainly beat Georgia. But, sure. um, you know, it's, we'll it's always interesting there. when big games like this happen at the beginning of the season though, because I do think that a lot of these teams improve as they go. So it is, it's, it's not always the best indicator, but it's always used as an indicator. If yeah, that makes I mean, sense. it's still a, a feather in your cap, right? Like, yeah, for sure. It is. Like that. I mean, you know, they, they beat Clemson week one. I don't even know who Alabama plays, but I got to think the winner of that, that game week one potentially moves up based on how it looks, moves up yeah. to number one. That's going to yeah. be a two versus four, three versus five matchup, right? I mean, right. Yeah. I, the preseason rankings haven't come out yet. But um, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm looking up Bama's schedule right now. Oh, they play Miami first. So that, that'll be a fun win for them. Uh, yeah. I don't know how relevant it is, but it should be a ranked win for Alabama. So they'll probably win by 40, so maybe they will retain number one. Uh, how did I forget that they played Miami? Um, but, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. And then Alabama will have another top 10 game, obviously, two weeks later in, in the Swamp. So, um, you know, a lot of jostling there. Um, yeah. You think uh, – do you have do you have Florida going eleven and one? Like, um, do you have them beating Georgia? Honestly, I I do think they beat Georgia. I don't know that I think they go eleven and one. Um, I feel like Florida has just you know they've had that. 
I guess maybe Alabama is that game that they don't get over and that's what keeps them from undefeated. But I feel like Florida always has that game that they struggle with that they shouldn't, or, or at least in recent years has. So I struggle to say 11 and one. I do think they beat Georgia. I could change my opinion on that when I see these teams on the field. Um, as the season, you know, kicks off, I think that there's a lot of question marks for Florida. I personally still have a lot of question marks for Georgia. That team we saw last year doesn't scare me. So if they improve, uh, you know, maybe I have a totally different opinion week two after I see him against Clemson. But I do still have question marks um, about Florida as well. But I just kind of feel like the monkey on the back is gone for Georgia. I don't I'm not overly concerned about that. Um. Yeah, I think we'll know a lot more, like you said, after week one and, and yeah. week three, right? What what yeah. Georgia looks like at Clemson, what Florida looks like with you know, the, best, the best team in the country coming, sure. coming to sure. town. Uh, um, hey, so something I wanted to talk about that we didn't have on our rundown, and I just thought about it when I saw a tweet that came across. Did you see that Florida and uh, UCF struck a two for one? I didn't. When does it start? Is this one of those things um, that happens like in 16 years? I want to say the first game is 2024. It's 2023 or 2024. I think it's 2024, but then, and that's in Gainesville, but then Florida doesn't go to Orlando till 2030. And then UCF comes back for the third game, 2033, which if, you know, if UCF is going to pull a UCF, that game may never even happen, which is what happened the last time they had a, uh, two game series with UF. They, uh, paid Florida $100,000 to not play the second game uh, in that series. So, I mean, if, if UCF loses the first two, that wouldn't totally shock me if that's what happens. But I just think it's amusing. New AD in there, they finally see the uh, the point of getting a two-for-one, and that's because they haven't been able to get anybody to do a home-and-home home that's a big enough opponent. Right. Like they view themselves as worthy as home and home with all of these major power five school, but major power five schools don't view them the same way. Uh, but this is smart for UCF. Right. I mean, they they need some momentum. They need a harder schedule and they're in a bad position because if UCF beats you, your season's over as a power five in terms of the national perception. Right. But if you beat UCF, it doesn't really do a whole lot for you for your national per- perception. So I can understand why a lot of these power fives don't have a massive interest in scheduling UCF. Um, But uh, this just came up at uh, media days, I guess, and Ventral Miller's talking, or at least was a few minutes ago. um, And he said, "Uh, yeah, I definitely want to play against UCF. I need to show, we want to showcase what we can do as the best team in in Florida, Um, which just is amusing to me. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, think i mean i hate the fact that it's it's so it's scheduled so far out i mean yeah. that that kind of stinks i mean even the 2024 i mean you think about it, it's literally three years away i mean that's uh you know it's hard to get hyped about things like that um especially when you know florida has you know always done a great job of scheduling like two or three cupcakes out to start the season and so like they play fau and usf this year and yeah i don't know who's already on the schedule for next year but i mean we had to put a three and I'm not blaming Florida for this. No, it's the way that know, the, it's the both, scheduling both, contracts are done, but it's we're, we're putting a three game series over 13 years. I, I just am, or I'll, I'm sorry, I guess that's nine years from 2024, but it's 13 years from now is when this three game series sure. will be completed. You've got to be, well, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a way that, that it could be completed faster. Um, that's like last year we were talking about when Florida so scheduled dumb. Notre Dame. I'll be freaking you know, 45 years old or whatever the hell it is by the time the game actually happens. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the nature of the beast for scheduling right now, which, uh, yeah, I wish it wasn't like that, but I I mean, it is, that's just the way that, that, that it is. And I will say though, we're scheduling, when you say scheduling USF as a, as a cupcake, I, I think that scheduling teams within your home state Especially, I I don't put UCF and USF as the same kind of cupcakes as an FAU. And sorry if that's disrespectful to FAU, but I think that there's a hierarchy there, and I would definitely put USF and ahead of that. But I, I do agree. think there's something to I be said. I agree with that now. But when the when those games and- when those games were ske- when not U- FAU, but when that USF game was scheduled eight years ago, I mean it wasn't that USF that game was there. scheduled last week. I mean last year. Excuse me. That series was put together last year. Uh. Oh, well, then you guys really so, do just load up. They had an opening and they were able to slide it in and that's and, how it and, worked out. But USF was scheduled last. That that three-game series was scheduled last year. 
So in 2026, I was just trying to look down some of the Florida scheduling to see yeah. like, why, why we couldn't do this faster. In 2026, this I, I wonder if I'm being trolled right now. Um, Florida, <laughs> plays the, me? Florida plays the Campbell, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, Campbells. I've never heard of this team. I, I don't know if this is like Division One AA or something, but like, yeah, the Campbell fighting Campbells. Campbell University. Um yeah. So anyway, though that's the that's the game that is yeah. ruining the fact of us having a a UCF um, series a little bit more quickly. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, You'd think just buy just, that uh, buy that yeah, out. I mean, give them, give them their twenty five dollars and and let's literally. So, um, but yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I think it's good for UCF. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I just have no idea. I, hopefully, Gus is still there for that one. Um, well, that's the thing too. Is that don't, we don't even know what these I, I coaches could, are even going. Yeah. You know. I don't think Mullen will still be there um, at that point. I do hope that, I mean, it'd be cool if they both were for that first matchup, but I mean, I seriously doubt either of them will be um, because if Gus does well at UCF, which I, which I think he he will do well, I think he'll be gone. So there's a great chance that neither one of these coaches are are even there then. And then who knows, you know, it, you can't even predict, you couldn't even predict like what something would be this year if they went up against each other, but let alone four years from now. I, there, there would have to be either Florida's going to really have to really be awful. If let's say Florida just maintains what they did last season and the season before, I think Mullen is still the coach. They keep going. Eight, they go. They go um, eight and four. They go eight and four every year. They're going to be satisfied with that over the next four years. I mean, last year Florida made it to the SEC championship game and played in uh, New Year's Six Bowl. I, if if that maintains, he's still the coach. I think I mean, Mac, there Mac, be- did, Mac did that. Mac did that for his two years, won ten games, and made the uh, SEC championship. So I don't think that's. I don't think going eight and four every year is is enough. I mean, I they're not going to make the SEC championship doing that most years. The only reason they well, did this and year I think last year we look at that eight and four, and that's a little different because that's with an SEC schedule too. I think that you know he doesn't have an eight and four record. If they have a normal year and a normal schedule, he's got a 10 right, and not two playing, or, not playing, or not playing the Campbell Camels. He's not going to have an eight and four record. So no, I, I, I mean, agree. I'm just saying if he played a normal SEC schedule and he makes it to the SEC championship game, played the game they played against Alabama and, and made it to New Year's six ball. There's no heat there. He has a similar, a, a similar season to last year, the next three, even if fans are talking, I, I don't think that he has been removed as Florida's coach at that point. But, you know, oh, well, I don't I, think he gets fired. I'm not necessarily saying I think he gets fired. I think he leaves. But, you think he takes another job? Yeah. I, I, mm. I, I will bet, I'll bet you right now, Florida, that Mullen won't be. I mean, this is going to be a long bet. So I need to write this down because I'll forget. But I don't think Mullen coaches that game. So if Florida leaves, if Mullen leaves for another job, what job do you think that is? I think he really wants to coach in the NFL. I don't think the NFL wants him, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna try and get to the NFL. I think he floated his name out there this year, and that's why all those rumors circulated and things like that. I think he was looking for a job doing that. I think Florida fans have uh, too high of expectations, and they're gonna chase him off. Because like, so I don't think. He yeah, gets I mean fired. that's that's not a that's. I mean that's true. That's Florida fans do this. Because like you guys, I mean. I mean, it's going to be tough. Now, I, I do think that the 12-team playoff could help you guys finally make the playoff. Um, so maybe that is a help if he's not gone by then. But, uh, you know, if he makes a playoff as a nine seed, I don't know how much that matters. You know, like yeah. I, I don't think it's a feather in your cap to say we made the playoff with a 12-team playoff. If you're making it as, like a like I said, like a nine or ten or, like, you know, I don't think that's like – Ooh, way to go. You know, you finished top. Florida State one time lost like 62 to 20 to Louisville and made a made a New Year's Six Bowl that year against Michigan and would have made the playoff that year had, had it been 12 teams. And, you know, so not that I'm saying Florida's going to lose by like 40 or anything, but uh, I don't think making the playoff, once it gets to 12 teams, I, making the playoff is no longer a um, like good job, look what we did. It's the same as, you know, the top 15 teams that make New Year's Six Bowls or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I, my guess would be that he's not there, though, in, in 20 yeah. 24 i guess that would be um the only, i think the only way he would be is if, if you guys win a national title and i don't you know i don't necessarily predict that this year so, next you know, year i next year i think you guys have a good chance at uh having a little bit easier schedule um i think you guys' schedule sets up much much better next year um i don't know that i'm predicting florida to 
go and win a national title because I think you know still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, but the schedule is definitely easier next year. You get LSU at home. You know who knows you know what's going on in Tallahassee still. The the uh, the cocktail party is always the cocktail party, but you know you play Utah, not that big of a deal um, out of conference. So things could set up really really well next year for for it to be a pretty good season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to watch. The other note, interesting of note for the USF or UCF Florida thing is that if the new 12 team playoff is approved, that should be in theory going on at that point. I, I know it kind of depends on if they can rework some TV contracts at that point, but I but they're talking about potentially 2024, right? The the new playoff being in in existence. So that that'll be interesting because at least from UCF's point of view, that could have some major implications for them they win yeah. that game and that puts them on the national stage you know for real i, th- I think it's even 2023 yeah wrong. okay yeah it may be oh. the year before but either way having a game against a major power five team by the time those playoffs are really going becomes even more valuable for them yeah um i actually lied florida schedule is not i wouldn't call it the toughest ever, but in 2022, they do have to go to Texas A&M, and that proved to be a, a tough a hard place, place to play. I think the next year's schedule, so going one more year to 2024, mm-hmm. is where things get really, really easy for Florida. They do have to go to Utah, but if Florida can't win a game at Utah, at, at Utah they, they yeah, yeah they, they don't deserve to be considered anyway. They play Mc, the McNeese Cowboys. Uh, and the Charlotte 49ers the next mm. couple of weeks. So it, it gets about as cupcake as, as it gets there. Right. Uh, we're, we're taking a step down from even the FAUs and USFs of the world that at least have some, you know, three-star Florida talent. Yeah. Um, obviously, you get Florida State at home that year and then the cocktail party. But 2023, is a, that is the first year of the playoff. And that would be a year that, I mean, Florida would have absolutely no excuses to not make the playoff that year. You know, they could even lose two of three to LSU, Florida State, and Georgia, and they should still make it. Like they should still, as a twelve, as a ten and two SEC school, you're going to be ranked in the top ten. And so it would it would kind of shock me if they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the only chance they don't is if those two losses are to LSU and Georgia, because then maybe you have too many. LSU or uh, SEC teams in front of you and they kind of like shake things around and move them around. I know the rule is not that you can't take all 12, but for political, you know, like they're going to take highly ranked teams from other conferences as well. And so, um, yeah, I think 2023 is the year that Florida makes the playoff. And if not, it's like, dude, what in the world? Like they'd have to lose all three of those games and drop one more. Uh, Speaking of losing games and drop one. So let's talk about this. And I have an FSU couple of questions and then I don't know if we have anything else when we get out of here, but we talked a little bit about schedule. I think I have Florida at nine and three. Okay. I think I think they lose. I mean, I think they lose to Bama. But let's just say their their three toughest games are Georgia, LSU, and Bama, without a question. I think they drop two of those. Uh, I think they beat somebody. They up they they either upset or beat somebody. I mean, actually, I think they're going to be a dog in in all three of those games um, when it happens because the one is in LSU. But um, I think they upset somebody and then they lose to somebody they're not supposed to, right? Like that's just how things work. Most years, most college football teams lose a game that they're not supposed to. That's just how things seem to work. Um, Last year it was, uh, who was it last year? Last year it was LSU. Um, You know, it is tough to, to run the table against everybody and and not take any bad losses. Two years before that, they lost a, a bad game against Missouri. We always talk about that one is weird. Um, so I think Florida goes nine and three, but I think the ceiling is absolutely nine, 10 and two. Like if they can beat everybody they're supposed to, I still think they drop two of the three games because they're going to be a dog in three games in those three games specifically, Georgia, LSU, and Bama. You just don't. So what makes you, you think they're going to be a dog in LSU in in the LSU game? Well, it's on the road first, and then yeah. you 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 agree with me saying too that that you thought LSU would probably be better this year than oh than for they sure. Were last but year. I think last thought, year was also well, a freaking fluke for Florida. So the way that they yeah. played in that game. But if LSU looks like LSU a better team, be better. and then you 
yeah, and then if LSU looks like a better team and then they go on the road there, I mean, I would think that Vegas makes them a favorite. No, yeah. I don't think it's going to be like 14 points like it was in 2018 but I, or 2019, but I do think it'll, you know, that they'll be the favorite there. Yeah. Um, now, if they come into that game at, you know, three and four, then, yeah, I mean, I like Florida to, to probably be yeah. the favorite and win. But if, if we think that they're better and look a little better, LSU should come into that game at uh, – just pulling up their schedule real quick. LSU opens up at UCLA. I would expect them to to win that, even though it's on the road. Um, opening weekend, then they play McNeese. They play Central Michigan. They play Mississippi State. They play Auburn. They play Kentucky. You know, there's a really good chance that they open up the season at six and zero, maybe five and one. Worst case, if they they either drop to UCLA or drop to an Auburn or somebody like that. Which again, I don't expect Auburn to be great. Um, but I mean, if LSU comes into that game at six and zero or five and one, I mean, they're probably going to be two five and one teams going up against each other, and they'll probably make it LSU a slight favorite at home. Would would be my guess. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that's the one that Florida has the best chance of upsetting too. I mean, they always play LSU really, really good. Well. Um, yeah. Know. I mean, I don't even think it would be considered an upset. I mean, I guess it's always an upset in theory if you're not the favorite in Vegas, but I feel like the, you know, that game and the Georgia game, no matter who wins, I, I'm not going to view it as an upset at this moment. I mean, that could change. Obviously we see how the season plays out. One team drops a couple at the beginning, the other team goes in undefeated and the team that has dropped some wins, then sure it's an upset. But in general, I think regardless of who Vegas picks in at least two of those games, it's not an upset. If Florida beats Alabama, that's an upset. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say that. I mean, it's tough to know now without lines and spreads and stuff like that. But I mean, if Georgia goes into that game as a seven or ten point favorite, then I mean, that's a that's a pretty big upset to me. So yeah, but it's tough to know that without yeah. lines and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we just know that Alabama is that much more head and shoulders um, above everyone else. Um, okay, so Florida State ACC. We we went a lot on SEC and Florida and stuff like that, but. ACC Media Days this week. Florida State is taking three transfers. Um, Mackenzie Milton, uh, Jermaine Johnson from Georgia, and Jordan Travis, who has been with the team for a couple of years, but also was a transfer, right? Like came in mm -hmm. and wasn't recruited by FSU and, and didn't sign with them out of high school. So um, thoughts around that? Thoughts on, uh, you know, and Milton and Johnson are, are different level transfers than, than, than Travis. Cause Travis again has been around for a couple of years. He's quarterback the team enough to, to kind of be like an, an elder statesman, but thoughts on, um, like I, I have some thoughts, but I want to get yours thoughts on Norvell, um, taking transfers as opposed to maybe guys that have been around for a little bit longer. Um, you know, do you have a, a take on that or think that yeah, that's I the think right thing, that, wrong thing? Um, how do you, how are you going to, I'm going to spin this as a positive, but I, I want to hear you. I first. don't think that it's a right or wrong thing. I don't think, um, I think whether or not you choose to use the transfer portal is very immoral. It is not uh, a right or a wrong. I think that there are coaches that do it really well. Um, I think Dan Mullen is a good example of somebody who uses the transfer portal really well. I think it's smart when you're a new coach because you, you can pluck a seasoned guy that you have some, some film on that you can, you already know a little bit of what he can do and kind of plug and play a little bit. And so I think it's a, a way potentially to have success sooner than you would if you've got to groom your own young guys. Right. Um, but I also think there's obviously a reason why somebody's leaving one school to the other. Sometimes it's something like Mackenzie Milton where it was something completely out of his control and uh, it was honestly the bowing out gracefully thing because you create a quarterback controversy at UCF if you stay. I think he was obviously good enough to create a quarterback controversy and stay. I think he, I, I think he was great. So I think that you know that's a situation where him specifically leaving was the right thing to do for UCF and for Mackenzie Milton. I think he's a great player. There's some other guys though that you wonder like, okay, so why were they buried in the death chart or why? It, it, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot, right? But so is recruiting from high school. So I, I personally think if you can make it work, it's an, it's an awesome advantage. Um, I'm excited to see Mackenzie Milton at Florida state, honestly. Yeah. He's I mean, have more weapons there than he had at UCF. He's a, he's a great quarterback. He seems to be a really good locker room leader. Um, so that could be, that could be huge for Florida state. 
Yeah, I think that uh, – I mean, I'm very excited to see him play. No no doubt about that. Excited to see, you know, what he can do if Florida State's O-line can give him enough time to, yeah. to do anything, um, which right. I, I do think the offensive line will improve some. Florida State's run blocking was actually second best in the – what's so crazy is Florida State's run blocking was second best in the ACC last year. Like if you, even if you take out quarterback runs, they were second in the conference when it comes to um, yards before contact that their running backs took offensive line run blocking was fantastic. Uh, When it came to pass blocking, it was atrocious. Like it was absolutely, I don't know know if it was dead last or bottom three, but it was terrible. And so that'll be a big, a big thing. Obviously they pulled in a Notre Dame transfer, hoping that that can help, hoping that guys can stay a little more healthy and depth can be a big um, somewhere that they can improve on. But I'm excited to see Milton play. I think that they'll run Milton and Travis a lot like, um, you know, Mullen has in the past with with two different quarterbacks, a a running kind of guy and a um, a pass, you know, a pass first option like Milton. I think it'll be it's certainly not to the level of talent that some of Mullen's teams have been in the past, but I think at some points it'll be a little bit more effective than maybe even what uh, Mullen tried to do last year with Jones, where when Jones came in, you you knew that he was running mm-hmm. every single time. Um, I think what makes it a little bit different now is that Jordan Travis literally quarterbacked a team for minus injury the entire season last year. And so I think that threat of passing will be a little bit more, um, there uh mm-hmm. because when you bring emory jones in and everybody knows he's gonna run every single time he comes in for uh trask there's just no i mean it just makes it kind of pointless for me to, to even bring him in you know it, it's just i'd rather just have my better plan but if there's a chance that travis passes you know more often than um you know maybe emory did maybe that does kind of um maybe that does kind of make that two quarterback system a little bit more effective. I have no idea. We'll, we'll just kind of like see as it goes. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it'll be a hot and cold thing too. Like if, if Milton's really balling out, I mean, you're not going to take out your, your good player. And I thought Mullen kind of did that weirdly at times last year. Like they totally know, weirdly. Like, I, I almost feel like, like it was like, here, we're going to make would, sure you don't want to transfer yeah, here. Yeah. Here's a play. Trask would drive the team like down to the 20 or something. And then like the quarter would end and they put, you know, but that also is what and like, what, what are you doing? Slightly here? nervous for Emery this year. And I mean, I hope he's great. I hope he has all the success in the world. But because I felt like it wasn't particularly effective, it made me question how good Emery is because I do think that Mullen is a really, really good quarterbacks coach. And I think he's a good game caller. So you would think that if he was the player that we're all expecting him to be, that would potentially have been a little bit more successful at times. It really felt like uh, here's a few plays so you don't transfer as opposed to here, I'm going to change this pace because it's going to throw this other team off. Yeah, no, I feel that way completely. Like it did not feel like, you know, like I always talk about, I understand the element of surprise when you're going for like fakes and fake field goals, this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think you want your best players on the field. Um, when, when you're kind of in a do or die situation, now Florida wasn't in a lot of do or die situations last year, outside of maybe like the A&M game and the, uh, the LSU game. Um, everything else was, was won pretty handily. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that, but anyway, all that back to say, you know, yeah. for just a minute, all that back to say the transfer portal, I think it shows guys that like when you, all right, am I, I mean, I'm, I'm being a homer here, so you don't have okay. to, so you can, you can tell oh, me. Don't worry. I'll feel free to disagree, disagree with you if I want to. I, that's never a, a problem. Don't worry. I think a positive twist or a positive spin that you could kind of make with this is that like it shows guys that when you transfer in, it doesn't matter like seniority around the program. The best play. The yeah. people that put the work in get it the reward. That, and I'm, it shows I'm that good you're, with that. It shows that you're immediately part of like the team, part of the family, yeah. part of the culture, whatever. Yeah. Um, I could see how it could be disenfranchising to a guy that had been here for a long time. Like I, I'm not yeah. blind to that, Yeah. but I think it shows kind of what's up now for all intent and purposes, McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis are your, you know, one, a one, one B your leaders on offense. Like there was no sure. chance that anyone else was going to go other than either one or both of those quarterbacks. And then on defense, there are some options, some guys that potentially would 
have been able to go. Amari Gaynor is a guy that grew up in Tallahassee, a linebacker that is pretty good, like on the on the ACC, you know, ballot for preseason linebackers of the year and stuff like that. Like not a bad player by any means, even though Florida State's defense wasn't very good. But when you grab a guy like Jermaine Johnson that everyone has been raving about, when when you ask like who's the guy to watch for um, at Florida State this year on defense, I mean, that is the name that comes to the list. I mean, and who knows what those guys are like in practice? Who knows the leadership that they kind of like, you know, show and things like that. And maybe that's kind of what he bases it on. But anyway, I, I think it, you know, I think it can be spun as a positive to, to guys that you are trying to recruit at that transfer report. Look, we will, you will be part of this team. Yeah. If you're the best, you go, you go do stuff. You start. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think that, I think that that's a positive and I, I you know, I, I think the transfer portal has changed college football. Um, and sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's not depending on, on the team and depending on the situation. But uh, I mean, I, I don't have any issue with it being used by by coaches. Yeah, no, I mean it. It truly turns. I mean, it's more work for them, but it truly turns um, recruiting into not a. Well, like, we've you, have to recruit, about, you have to recruit them after they've signed. You have to continue <laughs> to recruit them, but I also think Which is good. You know, Which we've is good. talked about this that I think the programs that are more successful in the transfer portal should it should be a wake up call to the younger guys too because once a seasoned football player chooses to leave and go somewhere else, the program that they commit to from the transfer portal they're committing for very different reasons than they committed more than likely out of high school. Right. And so I think it's one of those, the, the glitter's kind of fallen off. You've gotten to experience real life in college football and priorities shift for you. So those programs that are really successful are probably the programs who really uh, have, have it going on within the locker rooms. Yeah. At the end of the day, I do think that, um, uh, I think that, coaches should have to continue to maybe not recruit, but develop the relationships with their players to keep them engaged and keep them interested. And you're always going to have some just idiots on every roster that just no matter how much you try to do that, they always feel like they're neglected or they feel like coach doesn't love me as much or this, that, and the other. But if you feel like that, whether it's justified or not, I mean, if I feel like that in my job or if I feel like that at college or anywhere else, I can transfer, I can take a new job. I can leave. These coaches can leave. Absolutely. So I'm completely okay with, the portal transfers. I like the rule of you get one free year. Um, I, I like that um, where you don't have to sit out a year. Now, if you transfer four different times, I mean that, yeah, you, the problem is you, bud. like same person, same yeah, thing as right. the person sure. that gets four and different jobs. Those, four there different are people years. that, right. Now, exactly. And and that's why when you have four different jobs in four different years, the fifth company you interview with says, why do you leave every single year? You're like, what, well, what is right. the, what is right. the issue here? So, um, but yeah, no, I think that this is, I think it's great. I think it's, you know, the way that it kind of should, should happen. So, um, anyway, that's, that's all my thoughts on that. Um, I don't think I have time to really go into this, but Olympics coming up. I want to talk some Olympics next episode. Some of our favorite, uh, we'll see if Mullen says anything else that I want to pick apart by the next episode. And I'm sure we'll spend 30 minutes on that. But, um, I mean, it just, it's who he is and it's who I am, right? Like it's just, He would not be Dan Mullen if he didn't say something um, that for me to pick apart, and I wouldn't be me if if I wasn't trying to look for stuff. So, um, right. we'll, we'll talk a little Olympics next week, which are coming up and coming up soon. I actually believe there are some events this week. Yeah, there are. Well, opening um, ceremonies are Friday, but there's usually always a couple events that start before opening uh, day, which always you know, the opening ceremonies, which always throws me because like, why (laughs) you're literally in charge of your own scheduling. Why do you start events before opening ceremonies? It makes zero sense, but here we are. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, Nick Lucena is a, uh, beach volleyball player that, uh, is an assistant coach at FSU. Um, we actually had him on the, the FSU show and we asked him how he got into volleyball and he, so anyway, he plays for the U S and they play Saturday morning at 8 AM is why I was talking okay. about that. But they, uh, we had him on the podcast and we were like, Hey, you know, so you didn't play at FSU, but now you're playing the Olympics. He's like, yeah, like everybody kind of hates me at the Olympics because like, I just kind of like picked it up. Like I just like graduated <laughs> well, like college. My- 
brother like, going actually, to decide yeah. to bobsled and uh, oh, yeah. be, becoming an alternate for the U.S. Olympic bobsledding yeah. team, having never bobsledded in his entire life or had seen snow once. He's like, yeah, I just started playing after college. Like, I would grab some beers and just go out and start playing. And like, people, I started playing like in local tournaments. And people started to tell me like, you're pretty, you're pretty <laughs> good. And he's like, I, you know, whatever. He's like, now I'm Olympian. And I was like, dude, I hate <laughs> you too. Like, don't. But anyway, they play Saturday morning, so there are some events starting up soon. So. We'll have some Olympics to talk about. I hate the time difference. Obviously, it kind of sucks, yeah. but uh, either early morning or late night watching, um, either way. Um, so, all right, cool. Well, I think that's all we have for today. If you think of anything else, um, save it for next week. But uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We appreciate everybody hanging out. And uh, we'll see what we can argue about and fight about next week. <laughs> <laughs>